Chapter 2. The Hiker Leo Grabowski was terrified. It's the second time in his life he knew he was about to die. It was the third night of his backcountry hiking adventure at the Cascadian Western Resort. The first day was bad. With no one to talk with, he engaged in lengthy conversations with himself. The second day was better. His mind was starting to settle. He was still feeling withdrawal anxiety from not being around people, but when it got bad, he'd turn on his cell phone a few minutes to text friends. On the third day, he decided to keep his phone off and just listen to the wind, the birds, the squirrels. Dinner tonight would be a treat, a vacuum-sealed salmon steak he planned to grill on his campfire. As he built the fire from sticks he had gathered and then slowly added larger branches from fallen trees, he thought about his ancestors going back thousands of years, millions of years. How many generations ate fish? When did they start eating lox and bagels? He knew Jews brought lox to New York after learning how to preserve salmon from Nordic fishermen, but how long had they been brining fish? Here he was in the woods, away from everyone and everything, cooking over a fire as his ancestors must have done thousands of years ago. He felt like a man. He felt like a real human being. He felt the connection to all the men and women who came together to create him. He felt tough and strong and masculine, like he was master of all he surveyed. He felt like maybe he could overcome anything. As the fire steadied into a dependable flame, he propped his grill on top of several rocks he'd pulled together. Yes, this was a perfect night. Not too many bugs and none around the campfire. Stars were appearing all over the deepening sky. He acknowledged how good it is to be alive. He pulled the packaged salmon from his pack and speared open the bag with his camping knife. Some of the white album and juice drizzled his hand as he tossed the steak onto the grill. It smelled amazing, a powerful, pungent aroma, just like his ancestors must have experienced for so many years before. He didn't hear the brown bear rustling through the underbrush. Leo turned away from the campfire and unzipped his pup tent to get the novel he'd been reading. He figured he'd read by the fire while his fish grilled. When he turned back to his rustic grill, he fell over backwards at the sight of the bear. About the size of a compact car on the other side of the fire, sniffing the air. It was ten feet away. Leo froze. What do you do if you see a bear? What do you do if you see a bear? Shit! Make noise. Clatter pans. Drive it away. Don't run. Try to look big. He didn't have any pans to clatter. He didn't have bear spray. He is short. And the bear is coming closer to the fire. Leo did the next best thing. He slowly started crawling backwards away from the fire with the bear on the other side. It wasn't going to leave. It smelled salmon, which meant Leo had to get the hell out of there. He crept backward, eyes glued on the real master of the forest. At the moment, the bear was oblivious to him. 
It was focused on catching that fish it smelled. After Leo dragged his butt about 20 feet from camp, he slowly stood up while still facing the bear. He hoped the bear couldn't see him on the other side of the flames. Maybe it had a bit of light blindness from the fire? Leo didn't know. He slowly stepped backwards, getting as much distance from the uninvited dinner guest as possible. Another 20 feet, and Leo slipped behind a cluster of fir trees out of view from the bear and turned to walk away. Quickly, through the undergrowth, looking over his shoulder every few steps, hoping he'd make his escape. His heart was racing. The reality of his imminent death replaced his shock. The bear could bound through the forest in no time at all and slash him before he had time to duck and cover. Leo walked faster. It was suddenly very cold freezing. The temperature must have plummeted severely in the last three minutes. His teeth started chattering. Leo couldn't hear where the bear was. He hadn't heard the bear walking into his campsite, either. He crouched behind a fallen log to see if the bear was about to attack. By now he was about a hundred feet, maybe more, from his campfire. He could see shadows dancing on the trees, and in the glorious campfire spotlight was the bear sniffing at his tent, pawing it, and then with one slice of its huge paw, ripping the tent to shreds. He saw his water bottle fly over the fire and slam into a tree. From his hiding spot, he watched the bear dig into his backpack like a rapacious warg and tossed the contents everywhere. Holy fucking shit! I don't want to die! In this super-heightened state of mortality, Leo realized he had to keep moving away while the beast was distracted. He had to get someplace safe. Leo probably hiked at least a mile through the forest from his campsite. It was difficult to know how far he'd gone because he was off the trail, stumbling over fallen branches, falling into dry streams, and clambering up hillsides. He found a small rock outcropping and stopped to consider his options. The sky was full of stars, but no moon, and the forest was dark. His flashlight was in his tent, or at least it used to be in his tent. If he kept going, he'd eventually get completely lost. He turned on his cell phone. It had some battery left, but no more than about 20%, and no signal. None of his friends knew where he was hiking, so no one would come looking for him. He had no food, he wasn't wearing his jacket, and the night was getting colder. He would have to go back when it was safe. When would that be? He stared at the stars through the forest canopy. So many stars more than he'd ever seen in the city. He even started noticing faint stars, way beyond the shining constellations. His thoughts drifted, and he wondered how he could share this view of infinite space with the second graders he taught. How could he inspire them with the wonder of the endless possibilities? That is, if he returned to teach this fall, if the bear didn't eat him tonight. 
if he could get control of his nerves. He looked at his hands, resting on his knees. They were calm. They weren't trembling. His goal with this backcountry adventure was to get far enough away from civilization and sudden noises to calm his nervous system and stop the shakes. For the first time in months, he felt steady. The bear hadn't attacked him. He's still alive. He can face another day. After waiting about two hours, he returned to the demolished campsite to see if anything could be salvaged. The fire had died, except for a few coals still glowing under the ash. His tent was ripped and useless. His food packages were strewn around the clearing, torn open, and the contents devoured. He found his flashlight, still in the tent, put on his jacket, which smelled distinctly of bear, and gathered up what he could, his pack, his clothes, two paperbacks. He threw the food wrappers onto the smoldering ashes. With a couple strong breaths, he managed to ignite the paper and melt the plastic so he'd leave nothing behind. With that accomplished, he kicked dirt into the pit to stomp out the remaining embers. A dozen yards or so from his original campsite was a small crawl space under a fallen tree that could shelter him for the night. He rolled his sleeping bag over the moss, pulled the remnants of the tent into the gap between the giant log and the ground, and stretched out to sleep. He hoped the bear got what it came for and wouldn't return. The forest is a noisy place in the dark night. Lots of unknown critters snapping branches and sniffing the outside of his tent canvas. Leo didn't sleep for a second. With first daylight, he packed his gear and marched down the trail to return to civilization. The train station was about a 10-mile hike. When he could get cell service, he'd book a motel room for the next two nights before his train reservation home. In the tiny Twin Furs train depot, Leo stared at the travel posters nailed to the walls. He turned around quickly when he heard Ethan, the station master, re-enter the doorway and asked apologetically, I rinsed out my shirt. Is there some place I could hang it? Ethan stood speechless. He didn't expect to see this muscular hiker standing in his office without his shirt on, and he really didn't expect him to have perfect chest hair and an inviting treasure trail cascading down his smooth stomach. Leo noticed Ethan was staring, but pretended to ignore it. He held his wet t-shirt up in his left hand as if to ask again. Ethan stammered, uh, Any place out in the sun. I'm Leo, by the way. Thanks for your help. He extended his hand. Ethan looked at Leo's open palm, but hesitated to take it. He didn't know if this hiker was flirting with him or just being friendly. He choked. How do I know you're not going to rub salmon juice on me? <laughs> I, I guess that's a risk you, you take, Leo said lightly and stretched his hand out further to shake. I try to avoid risks, but maybe I can trust you. I teach second grade reading, writing, and arithmetic. If you can't trust me, who can you trust? 
Well, Ethan considered, my second grade teacher, Miss Cohen, never let me down. So, by extension, I guess I'll trust you. Ethan took Leo's hand with a firm grip. They stood close together, holding hands longer than first-time acquaintances meet, searching each other's eyes for a sign that he was interested in getting more familiar. Leo watched a small smile creep into Ethan's face, which encouraged him to tease. <laughs> Thank God for Ms. Cohen! Ethan's mind was racing. He wanted to grab this hiker by the back of his neck, bite his lower lip, and draw him into a passionate kiss. He wanted to pull the musky hiker's body close and run his hands over that gorgeous chest. He wanted to dissolve into this man until they became one. But he wasn't going to do that. He was not going to have a quickie on his lunch break. He is looking for love. It's just, this hiker was so fucking sexy. He broke the mood and backed away, dropping the hiker's hand. So what happened with the bear? Leo felt the immediate connection with the station master break and was disappointed. He stepped back and recounted the past three days leading up to the present moment. I've been walking all morning to get back here. Texted my friends, told them what happened. Then this guy messaged me on bareback. I figured, uh, what the hell? Maybe this trip won't be a total waste. That's the guy I was supposed to meet. I don't know, Ethan reasoned. Getting attacked by a bear doesn't sound like a total waste. Leo laughed. Yeah, well, that's another story I wish I couldn't tell. Uh, listen, my phone is about to die. Could I trouble you for an outlet? First you want water, and now you want electricity? What else do you want? Leo glanced at the pizza box on the ticket desk. Well, uh... The bear did take all my food. Ethan started laughing. Okay, okay. We can share the pizza and breadsticks. Plug your phone in under the desk. Let's take the pizza outside so we don't get grease on the furniture. Thank you, really. I don't know what I'd do if you weren't here. Starve to death, probably. Just lay here on my office floor and wither away. I'd never get any work done. Ethan grabbed the pizza box and breadsticks and carried them outside. Leo plugged in his phone under the desk. Hey, you've got a novel jammed in your desk drawer. Ethan blanched. Uh, it, it, it's just an old paperback. Ignore it. Leo pulled the drawer open to free the book. Hey, I've read this a couple times. The Charm Offensive. I liked it. I don't think the author's written anything else. No, she has, but... I, I haven't read it. It's a story about two women. Not my scene. Leo stepped onto the platform and pulled a novel from his pack. This one's pretty good. My last movie star. Sort of a mix of Hollywood fan fiction and ghost story. He sat down next to Ethan on the edge of the platform, and they dangled their feet above the train tracks. Here, why don't you take it? This is my third time reading it. Do you often read books over and over again? I guess, Leo admitted. 
If it's a story I like, I just want to live it again. Helps me escape reality. What about you? Looks like your book has been pillaged a few times. Not by me. I pet sit my neighbor's dog. She's a voracious reader. <laughs> Thus, explaining the dog-eared pages. She eats bookmarks. So, apparently, she's voracious in general. Touche. Have some pizza. It's gluten-free. Ethan opened the box under Leo's nose. Ooh, with extra cheese. I love it. You have good taste. I'd offer to spread anchovies on this, but, you know, the bear ate your anchovies. You packed anchovies to go camping? I think I question your taste. I'm sort of pescatarian. Ethan gave him the side eye. Which means... I didn't pack Spam or Vienna sausages. Good thing, since our bears are Spam connoisseurs. Didn't you read the trail warning signs about hiking alone? Leo took a bite of the pizza with, and strings of cheese stretched over his chin. Oh my god, this is so good. Wow, best cheese pizza I've had all week. I suppose you'll say that about the breadsticks, too. Leo bit into a breadstick and covered his mouth while talking. Mmm, best breadstick I've had in a month, he continued chewing. I tried to get some friends to come with me. Everybody backed out last week, so I came anyway. You have cheese on your chin. Leo searched in the food bag for a napkin. <laughs> I probably look like shit. I haven't shaved in days. No, Ethan said with more emotion than he intended. You look great. Leo looked into his eyes. So do you. That burgundy vest is your color. Goes well with your green eyes. They match yours. Leo agreed sincerely. <laughs> they do. Maybe we could be related. Without thinking, Ethan said, We could. And then backtracked. I mean, we could have the same ancestors. Uh, we could. I've always wondered... Is it considered incest when gay relatives sleep together? Ethan choked on his pizza, couldn't swallow, and began coughing uncontrollably. Are you okay? <coughs> pizza, <coughs> Ethan tried to say between coughs, went down wrong <coughs> pipe. I'll get you some water. Leo grabbed his water bottle from his pack and ran into the station bathroom to fill it. Ethan continued to cough. A moment later, Leo handed the bottle to Ethan, who took a deep swallow, then spit out his tongue. Tastes like lime Kool-Aid. Oh, yeah, to cover the taste of the chlorine dioxide tablets so I don't get sick from stream water. They say there's no aftertaste, but I think there is. I'm not sure which is worse, <coughs> Ethan croaked. He cleared his throat a couple times. Better? Yes. <coughs> I'm fine. He wasn't, really. He was red in the face and totally bewildered. Is this hiker hitting on him or not? And what is he going to do about it? Uh, I don't think I want any more. Finish the pizza. You sure? Yeah. I mean, bear didn't eat my breakfast, crunchy oats, and almonds. 
with a mention of cereal sylvia and sylvester raised a chattering ruckus in the tree i hear you ethan glared up at them if you want water or breadsticks you have to come down i'm not bringing it up there who are you sylvester was the first one on the ground leaping onto the opposite rail of the track then stopped to stare at the stranger sylvia followed behind a moment later she crossed over the rail and slowly cautiously crept toward the open box if you leave the box open they consider it an invitation really you normally feed them don't tell anyone it's against the resort rules leo pushed the box a bit closer to the edge of the platform <laughs> they can't eat much are you kidding sylvia here will try to drag off the entire pizza close the box if you don't want to lose it I gotta see this. Leo pushed the box all the way to the edge. Sylvia glanced both directions up and down the track as if she was looking for a train, then stood on her back legs, sniffed the air a moment. Come on, Leo prodded. She doesn't need more encouragement. In a flash, Sylvia leapt on the platform and landed in the pizza box. She took a couple bites of the cheesy dough and then with a third bite began dragging the entire pie out of the box and off the platform where it dropped beside the track. Sylvester ran over to help and both of them hopped over the rails with huge slices of pizza in their mouths, struggling to wrestle the greasy dough up the tree trunk. Leo erupted in laughter. That is so fucking funny. I wish I'd filmed that. She took the whole pizza. I told you, if you don't want to lose it, you have to close the box. Holy shit, that's great! He turned to Ethan. You must love working here. Ethan hesitated before answering. I've gotten used to it. We don't leave the resort much, obviously. You can't get here by car, you have to ride the train out. So, unless I'm going to overnight with a friend in Portland, I just don't go. I think I could live here. It is a tourist job. I mean, we have to be nice to people no matter what. I shouldn't be telling you this. Leo replied, no, I, I get it. I worked at Oaks Park, the amusement park in Portland during my summers in college. People are great until they are not. Or if they don't get what they want, or they think this is a big bordello and they can screw all the employees. Leo was taken aback. Oh. Sorry, I oh I I probably sounded like a a total creep a minute ago. I I'm sorry. I I, I didn't make it. I didn't mean to make it sound like well. Jeez, I I'm just gonna shut up. Which was Ethan's cue to level a little morsel of honesty. I'm not looking to play around. You're certainly a good-looking guy, and we would probably have a lot of fun, but. I'm at the stage where I want a relationship. Right. Yeah, I hear you. None of these guys I meet online are serious. I don't know how to meet anyone else. I don't go to the bars. I'm not going to walk up to a stranger and start a conversation. Uh, what do guys talk about in a bar anyway? Ethan chimed in. TV shows or movies? I don't watch any of it. Nobody wants to hear me talk about watching the squirrels fight over a sandwich. 
or a bear eating sushi. Exactly. Silence fell as neither knew what to say next. Sylvia and Sylvester provided a diversion as they chewed on the pizza and chunks of the cheese fell through the branches. Ethan called up to them. I hope you plan to clean up your mess. They ignored him. The guys sat watching in silence. Hey, so, Leo ventured, I was thinking of going to that book signing this afternoon in Skookumchuk. I guess I'd take the next train. Do you ever go to those? No, I'm usually at work. Oh, Leo responded in innocently. I was probably going to check into my room at the hotel in South Timber Valley after that. How late do you work? Ethan caught the whiff of her proposal. Till five, if my relief gets here. Do you live near here? We all live near here. We can't leave, remember? Train crew have cabins and mountain air. It's off-limits to guests. Oh, Leo said. I booked the wrong lodge.